Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I want to start out by just reiterating uh, the importance of the fear of the Lord. As we approach Proverbs, it says that, you know, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And I think sometimes we, we don't focus enough on the fear of the Lord and we want to focus on the love of the Lord. Now, I believe that the fear of the Lord gives you power to depart the evilness in your heart. Right? Sometimes the love of the Lord gives us a tolerance to where we feel like, well, God loves me. He forgives my sin. He'll cover it all up. No harm, no foul. Now, Paul talks about the importance of, you know, we don't sin, therefore grace can, can, can increase. That's not the point, right? It's not to abuse the blood and it's not to abuse grace, but it's actually to, to fall under a new mantle of God's grace to, uh, to be what he has demanded us to be. But it says in the, in the passage, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work out your salvation with love and kindness. So when we're working out our salvation, it says with fear and trembling. And this morning, maybe you have had an encounter with the presence of God that made you a little bit uncomfortable. Now, before we look at these passages in Proverbs, I want you to understand that the God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. That he never changed. He never changed his position or his posture. I feel like he has released a new measure of grace in the New Testament and in the life we're living now. But we have to be aware of the power and magnitude and reverence and awe of who God really is. I was talking with uh, some individuals uh, between the services. You know, they had heard the passage and in the, in, the, in the preaching. And, you know, I thought about it. I said, you know what? Anytime... My parents asked me to do something. There were moments that I was that good kid that did it because I wanted to do it. But do you realize the most, most of the times that I did the things that I didn't want to do that they were asking me to do, it was because I was afraid of the rod of correction. It got the right results. And it led me to that place of doing what was right even when I didn't feel like doing what was right. So as we venture into looking in this book of Proverbs, chapter 1 and chapter 2, there is going to feel like it is a rod of correction, and God is bringing in an alignment to his people. He's sharing his expectations, his standards, what God expects. And as we look at this, it says, let us seek wisdom. Let us seek knowledge. Let us seek understanding. Now, I believe that Proverbs is one of the best books for that insight. It was written uh, uh, by King Solomon, and he asked God, he said, you know, he said, God said, what do you desire that I give you? You know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. And then the man of God that asked God for wisdom, and as God downloaded that wisdom, you know what he did? He wrote it in the book of Proverbs. So it doesn't matter if you agree with it, if you disagree with it, if you think it's right or you think it's wrong. Let me tell you what, the man of God that wrote by the inspiration of God had more wisdom and sense than any of us in this room. So when we read this scripture and we dissect this scripture, I want you to just allow it to kind of um, maybe shave away those parts that God wants to remove from your life. Now, uh, God showed me about halfway through this passage in first service, this is going to be like me throwing a brick at you. If it hits you in the face, pay attention. If the brick does not hit you in the face, 
you may be okay, but still pay attention. Because God may have something that he wants to show you this morning in his scripture. Because I believe that God is coming for a spotless bride, a victorious church. One that will stand on the firm word of God and not be lollygaggers and hope sowers and all of these things. But we will know what the word of God is and that will be what saves us in the time of difficulty or hardship or trouble. Okay, so this morning I want us to really focus on the fear of the Lord. What the uh, the pastor says, but what the passage says. Um... But we're looking at the mold, right? We've been talking about the family unit, family matters. So when we talk about the mold, a mold is to influence the formation or development of. That's what the word mold means. Now, as a father, I definitely want to be molding my family and my children in a way of influence, in a way of development that leads them in the direction that the Lord desires them to be led in. And then the the mold, know that it is twofold. How many of you this morning say, man, pastor, I'm being molded. Amen. We are being molded, but we are also responsible for molding our families. It's twofold, right? I'm being changed. I'm being transformed. God is working on me, but guess what? He's also asked me to to model and mold my family in a way that is Christ-centered and Christ-like. The only way I know to do that is by the scriptures. Because even on my best days, if I just try to do it within my own strength and my own power and my own wisdom, that will fail. But the word of the Lord will stand firm forever. So we're going to look at a lot of passage this morning. The promise of God's word is that the work that he has begun inside of me, that he has begun inside of you, that he will carry it on to completion. This is an ongoing work of the Lord. Um, John 8, 31 through 32, it says, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you continue in my words, if you hold fast to my teachings, and I believe that sometimes that seed has to give Get inside of us, and it has to stay there a little while until it begins to produce fruit. But if the word deposited on the inside is allowed to bear fruit on the inside, guess where it's going to bear fruit also? On the outside, right? We're often contaminated by the outside in, but the, the seed of God's word can produce fruit from the inside out. And that's the whole point. When we, when we continue to believe God at his word, that we trust God at his word, you truly will be truth, will be free because the truth inside of you is what will break that power to set you free. Amen. All right. So the word of God followed by obedience is what should lead us to that place of freedom. Um, as we dive into this passage this morning, I really believe that we need the great illuminator to illuminate these passages for us, to show us, to teach us. John 14, 26 says, but when the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, um, whom, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I had said. Who is this great illuminator? Come on. Who is this great illuminator? Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of me, inside of you. The great illuminator will illuminate these passages. He will show you what you need to know. He will remind you of what the word of the Lord that has been spoken. So why the book of Proverbs, Pastor? Why do we need to look at the book of Proverbs? So the book of Proverbs was written to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, to make the wise man wiser for acquiring wisdom and knowledge on how to avoid pitfalls and folly, which will lead to health and success. 
Although the Proverbs is a practical book dealing with the art of living, it is based, it bases wisdom solely on the fear of the Lord. So let's jump into this passage and see what the word of God says in Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. So it starts out, it says, the proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. In giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So that's the first thing that it does. But it also, these next few passages is instruction for everyone, not just to the simple minded. It says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Verse seven, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the three areas that the Proverbs help with is first is gaining wisdom, receiving instruction, and giving prudence. So it's to know wisdom. It is to know wisdom, the technical skill, the experience. It's the quality of having uh, good powers of judgment. How many of you know we need that? We need good powers of judgment to know what is right, to know what is wrong, to understand what is of God. And what is of the world? We have to understand, and how many of you know it's some crazy times? We're in moments where I kind of scratch my head. And I was like, Lord Jesus, what is going on? So we need to be able to differentiate between right and wrong, but gaining wisdom. What about receiving instruction? So receiving that instruction, that word to receive instruction, instruction is actually defined as discipline, chastisement, Training, exhortation, and warning. Now, this is not the kind of instruction we always want, but it's often the kind of instruction that we need. It's what God gives us in his scripture. And it says receiving prudence. So this means to give prudence, to have understanding of good sense. I have many people, you know, I've met many people who are very, very smart intellectually. But how many of you ever met somebody that is super, super smart but when it comes to common sense, they are about as sharp as a marble. Makes no sense to me. You can be that smart, yet the common sense factor is not there. Got eyes looking all around, looking left and right. You know, I think I would take sometimes common sense every single day over somebody that is educated and learned. Um. But it says that he will give instruction, he will, he will give prudence uh, to, to, the, to the unlearned. It says the purpose of it is to impart discernment to the naive and to the ignorant. Now, if we are honest, there are measures of ignorance in all of us. There are things we don't see. There are things that we don't know. I went to a training conference yesterday, and God showed me something that I had a wrong way of thinking about. This is Pastor Noe, right? This isn't you. So understand that there are always broken ways of thinking that we don't realize. You know, and it was something super powerful. Like it was, it was, it was talking in regards to the spiritual gifts. And in my mind, I thought I could only get some of those. And maybe I'm not operating in that one because God hadn't given it to me. And then this light bulb moment kicks on. And he says, son, I have never withheld any of those from you. You have withheld them from yourself because when you get the spirit of God, you get all the gifts that come with them. Yeah. Boom. In a moment of incorrect, naive, ignorant thinking, God can illuminate something that will completely change it. Now, that doesn't mean it's God said, hey, go pray for healing for this person that I wouldn't do it. I just didn't understand that that gift comes with the package. 
that I have available to me by the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit. So there are moments of, of, of short-minded, not thinking, not understanding. Now this word simple, the simple-minded, what this word simple means, it means to have an open door of the mind. It means I allow things in, I allow things out, but I can't differentiate between what is right, what is wrong. The door is just open. Good things can come in, good things can go out. And there, is no, there is no protection in my life. The simple-minded. So this is really geared towards the knowledge and the discretion of the youth. Now, just because you are not a youth does not mean that you are not simple-minded. You have to be able to guard. You can't just say, well, I'll just be open to everything. That's dumb thinking. That's simple-minded thinking. That is not what God has called us to. But it's, it's about making us ponder, making us think before sinning. I hope we just don't think about sinning after we sin. Well, I don't know how that happened. Oh, well, you didn't think about what you were doing in the meantime, and then it was after the fact. Let's think about what we're doing before we get in a position of compromise. Okay, it's leading us to make the right, responsible choice. How many of you pray for your children that all the time? Well, I pray for that for you also, that you would make the right, responsible choice, that we wouldn't be simple-minded. In there, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear actually is defined as to be afraid, to stand in awe, and standing in reverence. When God says what he says in his word, do I realize that God said what he meant, and he meant what he said? Do I realize that when I read the passage of scripture or do I say, ah, I don't really like that or that kind of offends me. So I throw it out and I don't really live on the full word of God, but I pick and choose what I want. Okay. But it says the fear of the Lord is, is, is the beginning of wisdom. This is, this is reverence. This is honor. Uh, um, and it says the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge is to know, to regard, to recognize, to pay attention to, to be a, acquainted with the ability of discernment and understanding. That's what we want. The fear of the Lord throughout this book is about having reverence of and for who God is. So this reverential awe and admiration uh, is submissive fear. It, submissive fear is the foundation of all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. You can't have the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of who he is without knowing God. You could know of God, but you don't know God. All right. So let's jump into some more of these passages in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. And the best way to explain this next part is it's warning against the enticement of sinners. It is a call to instruction and teaching. Verse 8, it says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adore your neck. So this word listen, this means to hear intellectually. The instruction is the discipline and correction of the father. And it says, do not forsake or abandon your mother's teaching. Don't walk away from what you know and what you've been taught and what you have learned. Stay close to those things. And it says, if sinners entice you, be warned. Now understand if the devil shows up in a cape with red horns and a big stick... That may not entice you, but it says, if sinners entice you, the devil, the, the enemy of this world will send people to entice you to do things that are contrary to the word of God. How many of you have heard the saying that, you know, um, being a bad, bad company corrupts good morals? Those people you're around, you can be influenced by, you know, oftentimes kids get mad. Well, why can't I hang out with them? 
bad influence. I know that if you're around people, you will do dumb stuff like they do dumb stuff. How many of you were dumb when you were around dumb people? He's like, right here, man, that was me. We got to learn from that, being around that, being enticed, but enticing. What does this mean? If we look a little bit more, the, the enticement is the intimidating force of peer pressure. How many of that remember that high school peer pressure? Hey, man, I bet you won't. And then everybody, come on, you can do it. He's like, oh, man, dumb decision. Uh, loading up, right? You're getting ready to make a bad decision because of that peer pressure. But what does it say in verse 10 and 19? Now, this passage amazes me at the heart of sinful man. Like, I mean, I understand wickedness, and sometimes we don't equate this to wickedness, but this is the heart of wickedness. It says, my son, if sinful men entice you, it's in verse 10, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for innocent blood, let's ambush some harmless soul. So notice here, they are using the example of murder and robbery as illustrations of folly. Yeah. Holy smokes, they ain't even hiding. This is a big deal. Right? So what does it say? Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who have gone down to the pit. Look what it says. We'll, we'll get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder, casting lot, cast lots with us, and we will share in the loot. All I can say here is like a giant wow, right? It says, let's wait and murder someone, take all their stuff, and we'll share in the riches, that's what this passage is saying. So the moment we think that wickedness is something to play with and it's okay, the root of true wickedness is this bad. This is the root of wickedness, the, the, the root of sinful, unlearned, uneducated, simple-minded ways. Verse 15, it says, My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their path. So don't go with them. Don't even get close to where they are. Do you realize you will never get trapped in something you stay away from? I can attest to that. In my life, all of the areas I guarded or the warnings, the things that I avoided, no harm, no foul. Right? You ain't got to worry about partying if you don't go to the party. And everything that comes with it. I'm just telling you, you don't have to worry about that. You go to the party, no man. Mom didn't tell me about this. But if you avoid the party altogether, guess what? I got any parents going like it's nudging. But I'll tell you what, every area that I guarded and I protected myself from didn't even bother me. But it was the things that I went too close to or was naive about or was not well informed about that almost took and killed my life. Okay? So realize that on the other side. So you'll never get trapped by something you completely avoid. So there's more nature that they share about sinful men. In verse 16 it says, For their feet rush into evil, they are swift to shed blood. Uh, how useless to spread their nets where every bird can see it. So they aren't even hiding what they're doing. They're not even acting like good church folk that, that like try to act like Christians on Sunday, right? And kind of dilly-dallying on the weekend and like covering it. They're not even covering it up. It's just before them, everybody can see it. And, and it looks foolish to those that have understanding. But those who lack wisdom, it looks justifiable. It looks safe. It looks okay. And that's not the case when we look at Scripture. But because it says that they are blind by their folly. They lack understanding. Verse 18, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the path of all of those who go after ill-gotten gain and takes away the life of those who get it. So this path only leads to their own destruction. The trap that they are setting for others, they fall into the same trap. And it ends in their own 
destruction. If we keep going in that passage, there is a call to wisdom, uh, not a rejection of wisdom, but this is really wisdom's rebuke. Okay, so when we look at verses 20 through 22, there, there is the, the picture of the lady of wisdom symbolized here. And she's crying out to those without sense to call them towards wisdom, towards knowledge. And, and, and it says in verse 20, it says, um, out, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Verse 22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? So Lady Wisdom, she's calling out to three groups of people here. The first one is the naive and the simple-minded, those without sense, those who are ignorant. The second group is the scoffers and the mockers. So a scoffer is someone who laughs and speaks about a person in a way that they're implying that the person is stupid or silly or it's ignorant. And then the mockers, those, those are ones that commit more serious, predetermined acts of wickedness. What about those, those that are foolish or stubborn unbelievers? Those are those who have not listened to the truth. Now, if we look at this book, we realize that the book of Proverbs aims wisdom primarily at the first group. But there is a correction brought to all three. How long will the simple love their simple ways? How long will the mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? So we have the simple, we have the mockers, and then we have the fools. But the primary focus is those who are simple in their ways, those who are unlearned. Proverbs 1, 23 through 33, now there is a turning. It says, repent at my rebuke. Now, repent means to turn away from something and turn towards something different. Right? It's not just saying, hey, I'm sorry I got caught. Whoops, excuse me for the mishap. It is changing the direction, the focus. Our attention is no longer here, but it, we're actually turning away and going a complete different direction to do something different. And, and, and rebuke, that is just a, a, a different word for warning. But this is what it says. If you repent, if you understand, you listen to my rebuke, then I will pour out. Now, I use the NIV, but let me tell you what. The NIV failed me this week. Here's what the NIV says, and then I'll give you what every other translation said. It says, then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. Now, every other, every other translation said, and I will pour out my spirit to you. Now, tell me what, tell you what, spirit's a lot more powerful than just thoughts. Now, we know that when the spirit gets inside and it begins to change from the inside, our thoughts will be aligned with Christ. But we need the spirit, which in essence will change our thoughts. And I will make known to you my teachings. So this is, this is um, you know, experience. This is the observer to, to know my teachings, to, to, uh, to, to know me, right? You know, he will make all of these things known. He will show us and reveal those things to us. Now, let me, let me tell you something before we keep going through this passage. There are little nuggets of hope through these first two chapters, but it is going to be an antagonizing drag through these passages for the most part. He gives us a glimmer of hope, but then he gives us a rebuke to align to, okay? So what does it say? Verse 24, but since you refuse to listen, because remember it said, come, repent, turn towards me, come to your senses, don't be simple-minded, verse 24. You guys ready? Yeah. 
Here it says, but since you refused to listen when I called and, and no one pays attention when I stretched out my hand, since you disregarded all my advice and do not accept my rebuke. Now listen before I tell you what's going to happen. Here is what you get because of your lack of listening, your lack of paying attention, your disregarding of advice and not accepting rebuke. Because you have done all these things, this is what's going to happen. Now, you understand I'm preaching the word. I'm not, pre I'm not yelling at you, but I'm trying to give you a good understanding of what this book is saying. Because you have done these things, listen to what happens here. Verse 26, I will turn, uh, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when disaster and trouble or anguish overwhelms you, um, then they will call to me. But I will not answer. They will look to me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and they did not choose to fear the Lord. That is a strong passage. That is the difference of God's face being turned towards us versus God's face being turned away from us. We don't preach this in churches. This is not the popular preaching. Well, I thought God loves me and he hears me anytime I call. It is conditional on knowledge and wisdom and obedience. Those who are obedient and God lovers and pursue God and do what is right and holy. Yes, his heart is turned towards us. But if we refuse to listen, if we refuse to repent, if we allow all of these things to just contaminate our lives by our own doing, this is willful choice. Now, you heard me say, if the brick don't hit you in the face, don't worry about it. But if the brick hits you in the face, do something about it. Okay? Come to your senses when the little birds quit flying around your head from getting hit with a brick, okay? Uh, listen to the word of the Lord, okay? But this is what it says. Because of the lack of listening, paying attention, disregarding advice, not accepting rebuke, I will turn, I will do all of these things, I will overwhelm you. You will call, you will look, he will not answer you, or he will not be found. This is the response from the Lord because of their own doing. Remember I said the same God of the Old Testament. It's the God of the New Testament. You're like, Pastor, that's why I like to read the New Testament, not the Old Testament. But I believe that if we don't see the God of the Old Testament... We may truly never revere and honor God in the New Testament. We have to care about the things that God says. And help us to do those things willfully, not, you know, because of consequence or because of fear. But there is a good little bit of holy fear that helps us do the right thing. How many of you were smart enough as children to act right when dad was watching? But we felt like if dad didn't see what we were doing, that's when we would make those foolish mistakes, right? Do we understand that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, looking over the righteous and the wicked? It says that all of our sin and foolishness is laid bare before the, the, God's face, and he sees those things. Let me get back over here. It says, since you did not accept my advice, we're looking at verse 30. And you did not spurn, uh, spurn my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways. They will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. What it's saying here, they will reap what they have sown. They will have their fill of their own devices. 
Verse 32, for the wayward of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So the waywardness, this is turning away from God and turning to death. This is turning away. The simple-minded ways will kill them. The complacency, this is their own idleness. I think some people say, well, if I just don't do anything, if I stay neutral, it'll be okay. I'm just going to hold tight till God comes back. Well, you know, we're all sinners, pastor. And, you know, God has called us to a level of righteousness to where we can actually look righteous. That doesn't mean perfection. But I hope I'm acting more right than I ever have. Doesn't mean I'm perfected. That there should be a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So it tells you the consequences of the wayward, those are their complacent. But it says, not so to those who listen. Here's your little glimmer of hope, all right? It says, but whoever listens to me will live in safety. Their dwelling will be secure. They will be at ease and without fear of harm. So they won't have to worry about disaster or dread. They will dwell in security. Those who listen to me are safe. <laughs> this passage is really to get your attention. He wants you to pay attention to the rebuke. He wants to caution you with warning. The call today is not to those who are okay, but to those who are not okay. Who don't have the word hidden in their heart that doesn't know what the word of God says. That are at this place of simple mindedness. God is not calling you to a simple minded lifestyle. But he's coming you to a lifestyle of being a doer, a student, understanding what the word of God is. Okay? Chapter 1. How many of you know that was a wallop? Let's move to chapter 2, Proverbs 2, 1 through 11. This is the moral benefits of wisdom's worth. Now, it starts out in verse 1. My son, if, this is a big if, this is conditional. When we say if, my son, if you accept or receive my words and store them up, treasure them in your heart, treasure my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for me as for silver and you search for me as hidden treasure, let me pause right there. That's the condition. What does it say? You should accept what? Words. You should store up, what is it? Commands. You got that other slide for me real quick? Turn your ear towards what God is doing. Apply your heart to the core values, to what, to, to what God is teaching you. It says call out for insight. Now, do you know that call out in that passage actually means to recite it, to say it, to meditate. You remember when we used to try to write sentences to try to remember things? Recite it, memorize it, meditate on it, chew on it, pay attention, get it on the inside. And then it actually says cry out, raise your voice for understanding. It's saying, tell me more, pastor, what I must do. It's like the man that came to his senses when salvation was presented to him. He says, what should I do to be saved? It caused a place of conviction that required a response. It wasn't saying, hey, high five, great message. We'll see you next week. It caused us to move from where we were to move us to where God was calling us to be. That's what it's about. Getting that word, putting it inside, crying aloud. And it says to look and search as you're looking for silver or hidden treasure as something of highest value. If you do this, if you apply these principles, verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If you do those things, if you know the Lord, you will understand the fear of the Lord, find knowledge, because it is the Lord who gives wisdom. And from his mouth are knowledge and understanding. Remember when I said early, submissive fear is foundational for all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. True spiritual knowledge and wisdom only comes from knowing God. Only from knowing God will you walk in that. Verse seven, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. So what does blameless mean? That means a a man and woman walking in integrity. That doesn't mean perfect, right? You know, it doesn't mean perfection, but, but walks with integrity, doing what is right, doing what is expected. God's not looking for perfection, but he is looking for the right heart. But he says, he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. So he guards the path before you. He watches over the way of his people. The upright, his people, these are the true believers, those who seek to know, those who seek to love, and those who seek to obey God and to live righteously. These covenant keepers alone can know wisdom and experience God's protection. It's in being obedient that the protection of God happens. Right? I think it's like a son and daughter of of your house. As long as they're in your household, they can be protected and they reap the benefits of being in your home. The moment they step out of that covering or they step away from the protection of the home is when they are at risk. It's the same way for you and I. We stay in that, cl- that place of safety as we're guarded and we're protected through that act of obedience, of doing what God says do. So those who truly know God prove it through their obedience. Show me you love God by your obedience. Well, I love God, but man, me and God are cool. We got an, ag- we got an agreement. Come on. That agreement is obedience. Yeah. And that obedience, in turn, gives protection. Amen? Amen. Or woe is me. Where are we at on that? <laughs> uh, if you are his, verse 9, it says, then you will understand what is right and just and fair uh, for every good path. So you will understand what is right, just, and fair. You understand righteousness. You understand justice, and you understand equity. Verse 10, for wisdom, you will, for wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. So what does that mean? Wisdom will dwell in your heart. Knowledge will be all around your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. That knowledge will just cover every facet of your life. It says discretion will actually watch over you. And understanding will protect you from all evil. It's that vigilance. It's that paying attention. It's understanding what's going around you. Wisdom will protect you from the wicked man and the adulterous woman. Which leads us to Proverbs 2, 12 through 19. So what do the ways of a wicked, wayward man look like? And then in just a moment, we're going to look at what do the ways of an adulterous woman look like? So the ways of a, of a wayward man, verse 12, wisdom will save you from the ways of a wicked man. And then it begins to explain what those are. For men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight path to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the per- perversiveness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are um, 
devious in their ways. So a, a wicked, wayward man is going to have perverse speech, which usually this follows the rejection of wisdom. It lacks in the simple-minded. Those people that curse a lot, they don't think a lot, right? There's no process like, I'm smart enough to know when not to curse, Engage the brain, right? You know, oh, I didn't even know. It. There's, there's just a lack of depth, a lack of understanding. A lot of times that is the rejection of wisdom. So they have perverse speech. They walk, in the, and pra- and walk and practice the ways of darkness. They have left the straight path. They have actually departed it. And they are on a crooked path, not the straight path. That is the way of the wayward man. So what does the ways of an adulterous woman look like? Verse 16 Notice in verse 12 and verse 16, it says, wisdom will save you. We don't have to worry about this if we have wisdom. We have no wisdom, we should worry. So same thing, it says, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman. Now this is, um, the adulterous woman here is, is, a, is, a, is a repeated harlot, an immoral woman. This is forbidden. Okay, I don't need to go anymore in that. You got it or you ain't got it, it's fine. Um, uh, it, it says from the wayward woman, um, this is someone who is not your wife. And it says this woman with her seductive words has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. So this is implying the partner of her youth is her husband and she ignored the covenant before God. That means she, she violated her marital covenant that God set between one man and one woman. She violated all of these things. Verse 18, surely her house leads down to death and her path, to, uh, to the, to, this, to the spirits of the dead. So entering her house will lead to death and her path is the road to the grave. Verse 19, none who go to her return or attain the path of life. <laughs> this is where you're like, boy, run. Like, don't entertain it. Don't be around it. Same thing with wicked men. It's going to lead to the grave. It's going to lead to their own destruction. This is not the path and the way of those who are Christ-like. This is not the path for those who are sons and daughters of God. So what do we see as the guidance as we, as we kind of have this closing guidance between 20 and 22? We understand from both of these examples that there is a path of destruction And that path of destruction, what it does, it leads to a physical death. Because we're going to die one day, right? But the road of destruction leads to a physical death. And that physical death leads to an eternal death. Where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where there will be sorrow. You know, I think a lot of people think hell ain't going to be that bad. They're going to say, oh, it's just going to be separation from God. It's not going to be that big a deal. It is antagonizing, horrific pain and suffering forever. Horrible. Think of the worst situation you've ever been in. My best illustration would be like, hey, come up here and let me get a lighter. Let me just burn your flesh a little bit. No, no, come back. Where are you going? Quit squirming. Everything in excruciating pain. And that might be the best, easiest I can think of, but it's going to be way worse than that. Right? Horrific. All right. So what is the following guidance that it gives us 20 through 22? It says... Thus so, you will walk in the ways 
of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness. So, so you will walk in these ways, follow these steps of good and keep on. It means stay on this path to righteousness. In verse 21, it says, for the upright who live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. So those who are upright, those who are godly, those who live the blameless lives full of integrity, they will remain in the land. Those who follow his precepts, those who follow the laws, the commandments, those who stay on the path of righteousness, they're going to be okay. Verse 22, but the wicked will be cut off. They will be removed from the land and the unfaithful, the treacherous, those who have compromised, uh, believing that God is who he is, will be torn and uprooted from it. So what do we have to understand, Pastor, from this chapter as it comes to an end? (laughs) What is our response? It's about just as quiet this service as first service. Because this is not an easy message. This is not easy text. Depending on how the brick hits you or grazes you or misses you, should determine your response. But our response should be, I believe, like Proverbs 1, 22 through 23 says, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Verse 23, here is our response. Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make known to you my teachings. That is the response. Any area that we have simple-mindedness or we're mockers or, or anything that we, we, there's a lack of wanting understanding that God would give us that understanding. We have to understand that there is going to be a great harvest at the end of time. But I believe that this is what the Lord says now in Matthew 13, 30. It says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barns. Now, we have to understand that we're in a world where we have wheat growing and we have weeds growing. Now, I would challenge you, if you're looking a lot like a weed, (laughs) you better watch out. I don't ever want to be mistaken for a weed and get in the weed bundle. But I want to be wheat that is gathered together and brought into the Father's house. Now, I believe that there's two people. There are the followers and there are the pretenders. The follower is one that says, God, I know you. I have a relationship with you. It is one who has not just believed in Jesus, but has been a follower of God. And at the end, just like Matthew 25, 21, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest, enter into my kingdom. But then the pretenders is just like Matthew 7, 23, where it says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break the laws of God, you who practice lawlessness, you wicked, simple-minded people who are not understanding. It says, away from me. Complete separation. Or there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Like pastor, what the heck do we do with this? 
How do I respond? There's a way of righteousness and there's a way of wickedness. But I believe that as we work through this book of Proverbs, God wants us to be informed. There is no lukewarmness. In scripture, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. There's no middle ground. I really believe it is offensive to God when we straddle the fence of being a Christian and being of the world. It does not do him justice to what he's called us to. But let those who are wicked be wicked no more. And as the people of God, let's stand up for righteousness. Can you guys stand up with me? Can we stand up for righteousness? Can we really fear God in a way that he expects and that he is worthy of? It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We have prayer teams available this morning. Uh, I'm just going to pray that God's word would continually do the work that it is intended to do. Uh, That's what the word says. Um, I am going to send some follow-up questions. I actually have the follow-up questions already, but I'll send them out first thing tomorrow. If you didn't read Proverbs 1 and 2, please read Proverbs 1 and 2. And then as you see these study questions and you kind of process this message, uh, bring it into your homes. Husbands and wives, there's, there's a part for parents and then there's a part for your children to get your kids involved in the conversation. I don't want us just to hear the word and throw it away before we hit the threshold and exit. But I want us to get this word inside and allow it to do the work that God wants it to do. So just like we had homework this week, guess what? We got homework next week. We're going to read Proverbs 3 and 4. And then we're going to go through Proverbs 3 and 4. And we're going to really just try to get what God wants us to get. How many of you this morning are willing to to respond however God leads you to respond? If there's areas that you don't see, that you say, Lord, show me what I can't see. And then the response on your end is once you see it, do something about it. Telling you, God did that with me yesterday. I will never be the same. Now, in that one area, in a lot of areas, I'm sure God still needs to work on me. But when God reveals something, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't reveal those things to destroy you. He reveals those things to redeem you and to bring you close to him, to draw you back to him. So this morning, I'm just going to pray over you and I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God does. And we have prayer teams available. If you want specific prayer, you can come up when I dismiss you. But I'm just going to allow the word of God to keep working. The word can do things that I can never do even on my best days. But I pray that the spirit of God begins to illuminate all of the things that we need to understand or the things that we need to change. Amen. We pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your word even when it's hard. But Father, I pray that you would stir a fear of the Lord in our hearts that we would be the people of God that you've called us to be. Father, I pray that uh, we would really be those people who are followers and not pretenders. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just bring all of these words to life inside each of our hearts. 
Holy Spirit, that you'd give our mind the understanding to understand the principles and the things to avoid and the things to change. And Father, I pray that through all of this, that you would establish the firm foundation beneath our feet, which is your word. And Father, as we go from this place, that you would go with us. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.